Welcome to Behind the Filter. I'm your host, Patrick Weaver, where I take you behind the scenes with some of your favorite bloggers, influencers, content creators, and you get to hear from them completely unfiltered. Alrighty, well, welcome back to Behind the Filter. I'm your host, Patrick, and oh my goodness, this month has been so absolutely incredible getting to sit down with so many amazing Black women that I work in this industry with, and I could not think of a better person to bring on this podcast to end Black History Month than this firecracker. She's not going to put out with any BS. She is an incredible human. Um, I look up to so much of what she's done with her platform. Uh, As you guys know, we've been celebrating Black History Month by uh, featuring some Black female creators and influencers um, and talking about what we all can be doing with our platforms to combat racism and to talk about privilege. Um, So with that being said, I am so insanely proud and I feel so lucky um, to get to introduce you guys to Tiffany, aka Tiffany Turner Moon. Hey, gorgeous. Oh my God, I'm so excited that you're here. Hey, boo. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, y'all. Hey, everybody. Yes, yes. Hello. So everybody can't see us. Um, They're just hearing us, but you're comfy. I'm dressed from church. And Mm -hmm. so I'm like, I would literally was sitting here like putting on my makeup, like right before you got on the call. I was like, (laughs) let me not look crusty real quick. So, um, well, I am just so thrilled to get to sit down and have this conversation with you. I I think the world of you, I think the way that you use your platform and, you know, you, your message of just kind of like no BS, this is what it is, is so needed right now, especially within our industry. And there's so many, you know, subtopics that I could talk about. Um, but how was it that you got into this industry to begin with? We're all kind of crazy to do it. Um sure. It's one of those things where you kind of have to be a little clinically insane to want to do this. But mm-hmm. how did you how did you get into the blogging industry or being an influencer? What was that yeah. like? So I had actually moved from Connecticut. I'm a northerner through and through. My mom is from the south. Um, and I moved to North Carolina and I was bored. And I was like, oh, well, <clears throat> you know, like, why don't I like start blogging? Like I enjoy having conversations. I enjoy like sharing tips and stuff. And a lot of my friends and family were like, have you thought about being an influencer? And I was like, "Eh, nobody wants to listen to me. Like you guys listen to me, but nobody wants to listen to me. And they were like, try it out. And uh, I tried it out and I kind of put myself in a box initially and just like talked about fashion. I did like the status quo. Mm -hmm. And very quickly I realized that people wanted more than what was on the surface. And so um, I gave it to them and just kind of fell in love with it all. Yeah. And that's one thing too. I pigeonholed myself so bad when I first started. Mm -hmm. Um, So I kind of got my start in it. It's like, I've always loved to write. Um, Writing was kind of how I expressed myself other than I grew up being a dancer um, and, you know, in musical theater and theater. And, you know, now I'm a little older and my joints are a little ratchet to to lightly I'm like I'm a little too old for all of this Mm -hmm. um you know so writing has always been very cathartic for me uh and so I wanted to tell a story of trauma that I had not been able to put uh you know put out to the universe and uh you know speaking in I was like I kind of need to write this and so I took that moment and so I was like I'm gonna be a blog about trauma survivors and then I was like this is really morbid 
no. Um, <laughs> I was like, we're going to pivot somewhere. And so that was how Patrick Weaver blog was uh, born. And now I'm like two and a half years into this and I'm like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. Um, I, I love too, though, that you brought up the point that um, your family suggested this to you. Um, I have older parents, they're in their late sixties. They don't really understand blogging or influencers or anything like that. They're just kind yeah. of like, so you get money, how, what, why are you doing this? Like, can you explain this again? Like people look at this, like videos of you trying on clothes and then they choose to go buy them. And I'm like, yeah. So they don't quite understand it. I'm still explaining it to them two and a half years later. Um, but I love that, you know, it's your family that suggested that you do this. Yeah. Yeah. They've been, they've actually been, they've been super supportive. They've been a little scared. Like when I really started to speak out during Black Lives Matter, mm. they were very nervous, but up until then they have been super supportive. Go for it. Do it. My mom is in her late sixties too. And she's like, somebody pays you to give your opinion what and I'm like yeah yeah shocking I know get on my level <laughs> yeah. like, you could have been doing this because you've been giving your opinions for my whole life Correct. you know how to monetize it miss mama so <laughs> I yeah my mom is like very much the same she um she does get very nervous with me talking about certain things um particularly politics um which I don't shy away from I just don't Think you do not. I love it. Everything is political. Um, and so when people say like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not into politics. I'm like everything from you getting to use Instagram is political to the kinds of food that you're allowed to eat and, you know, the ethical consumption of it and how many hormones and antibiotics are put into that chicken that you're eating today. All of it is political. Um, and I want to talk about in 2020, we saw such a shift, I feel like. Um, and maybe this is just because I'm a, I'm a white person. Yes, I'm a queer individual, you know, but I still carry around a lot of privilege because of the color of my skin and therefore I'm blind to some things. Um, but I really feel like I saw a shift in our industry specifically during 2020 when it came to things like Black Lives Matter, when it came to the killing of George Floyd, when it came to Breonna Taylor, when it came to Ahmaud Arbery. Did you feel like that shift was coming or could you anticipate that, you know, this was what was coming in our industry where we would see not just a, you know, people using it as clout, but people genuinely being like, oh my God, now I get it. Right. Um, and I can't use my platform for anything, you know, until I address this issue. Um, you know, did you see this shift coming? And, you know, obviously you, you mentioned that, you know, your family was a little scared for you to start speaking out on this stuff. So, you know, what was that like for you as a woman of color to watch all of this unfold? Um, <clears throat> you know, it, as a black woman, it was a privilege almost to see it unfold because these are things that our ancestors dreamt about. You know, these are things that our ancestors fought for. And I always hear the quote, my ancestors' wildest dreams. I am my ancestors' wildest dreams. And I always switch it and say, I am my ancestors' wildest dreams come true. Because like, I am married to a white man that used to be illegal. I would be in jail for it, you know? So stuff like that, I'm just kind of like, wow. Like, I don't, I don't think they could even fathom um, 
what some of the liberties, not all, but some that we have right now. But um, no, I didn't anticipate um, people speaking up as much as they did. I didn't anticipate it being the second civil rights movement. I didn't anticipate it being the biggest one in history. I, in no way, shape or form did I think um, that people were gonna react that way all over the world. But I think everything happens for a reason and we were all stuck at home. And so people who originally were able to avert their eyes and not think about it and not talk about it, like it was broadcasted on national TV. You can't, you know, you, you can't forget it and you can't unsee it. Um, but it was hard. I mean, it's still hard. You know, it's, it's still hard. I have to have tough conversations with my husband. I have to have tough conversations with my daughter who's half white, you know, and, and she's very big about saying I am both, I am black and I am white. And, but I have to um, explain to her if you, if you are stopped by an officer, you're black on paper, you're black. On an application for college, you're black. You're, you, you know, it's not, it's not both, so. Yeah, I think that's so poignant to you to say that, you know, it was a moment where we were all stuck at home. And like you said, we were forced to look at it day in and day out. Um, I mean, the church that I was uh, watching online literally sat down and had a conversation about it um, you know, with a white pastor that leads it. And then also with his best friend, who is a black man and a black pastor. And he was like, I can't sit up here on this stage and act like I know what I'm talking about. I can't sit up here on the stage and tell you the gospel. If I don't talk to you directly about what we just saw happen over the last week, I don't know how anyone could have been quiet about it. Um, earlier, uh, in the month, uh, my, best friend Chelsea uh, was on the podcast and she made a statement that I just thought was like, it, it kind of shook me. Um, and I have cried so many tears over what she said. And it was that if George Floyd had been a dog, every influencer would have posted that day. But since he was a black man, some people just did not care. And I was like, it shook me to my core because it, as, as a human being, you know, I felt empathetic towards everything that we saw in that video and everything that we've learned about that, you know, happens to black people in America. I don't know how anyone can't be empathetic and understanding. Um, and so that kind of leads me to a, just a kind of point blank question. And mm -hmm. I want to know if you believe that there is a severe issue of racism in the blogging influencing industry. 1000%. I, I don't even have to hesitate. Like that's, to me, it's like, it's, it's at this point, it isn't even a question. And anyone who says like, well, I don't notice it, or it's still a question like that to me is you have to be conveniently ignorant to be able to say at this point, there is not an issue and that it does not stem from systemic racism. That's a loadable period. Yeah. And so I think I think too, um, you know, it's not something like I've never had to walk around and worry about that, even though my best friend is black, you know, there was a lot of unlearning that I had to do and a lot of reprogramming in my head of, okay, like this, this is where your biases are. 
um, and things that I, I have to have that as uncomfortable conversations with myself. Why was it that I felt the need to cross the street when there's a black man walking down the street? And then, you know, tell my black best friend, I love you. I'm fighting for you, Black Lives Matter. But then I'm gonna do something like that. And so it was, it was very difficult for me to listen to the horror stories of what y'all have to go through in this industry, whether it is lack of opportunity, whether it is a lack of exposure, whether it is a lack of fair pay, which I know for a fact happens in America. And I know for a fact that it happens in this industry and it does predominantly happen to women of color. And this is a white dominated, white female cisgendered dominated industry. And so what can we do to help elevate you guys as black women and as black influencers? What is it that we can do? And I'm, I'm asking mainly for myself, um, you know, to help. And I think that's one of the things that I love about your content and is that you're very passionate about this. So what is it that we can do to help remedy the problem of racism in our industry? I think first and foremost, it takes, um, it, it, it really takes people admitting that it's even an issue. Um, I think when you're able to say it doesn't affect me, it's not an issue because it doesn't affect me. Um, that's like ground zero for me. But then the other side of it is like, I've watched you on social media and I see you always share influencers who are colored. It's not just it's, it's not, not just, you know, secluded to one month of the year, but you have so many influencers, large and small, who in the month of February will lend their platform to the Black community like it is nobody's business. And the minute we hit March 1st, it's over. And to me, it's like, you know, if you're going to post Martin Luther King and you're going to say he was such a great man and you're always going to use him almost as a, as a puppet when you want to say, let's be peaceful and let's not, you know, love is love and you can't fight fire with fire. I mean, <laughs> Martin Luther King was a black man who literally died for what he believed in. He wasn't an influencer. He didn't have a platform. And so for me, it's just kind of like, I just, <laughs> I just don't understand it. Like if Martin Luther King matters when you are using it for your own purpose, then Martin Luther King, his ancestors before and after him, myself included, as a Black woman, should matter 365. It should not be subjected to just one month of the year. And I think that's probably one of the biggest things um, that is an issue with an influencer marketing. We're about to see like the rolling out of just so much Black support, but it stops on March 1st with a lot of people. And then they also just don't, it's just, it's not an issue. It's only an issue, you know, if you're called on it and everybody else is speaking on it and then you feel like you have to speak on it. Yeah. I, I think that's something too that I know has kind of irked me in mm -hmm. the last year is, you know, seeing that it's kind of like, a, you know, we're going to post this statement and then we're going to keep, keep it moving right along. And we're yeah. going to keep making our money. And we look, we said it, we did it. I had to do it because I was getting a lot of flack. But there are also so many 
influencers that I know personally or that I just know as because I mean yes I'm an influencer but I'm also a consumer of content I'm also a follower um who just never said anything they just decided they weren't going to say anything so whether it was you know as everyone else is posting this viral video and talking about how disgusting and despicable all this stuff is, they're showing off their fashion or their new multi-million dollar house or their engagement or you know their clothing line that they just did, or they just didn't post anything and they waited for the storm to pass for a week or two and then they started right back up. I this is hard for me because I'm trying to be, I'm I'm trying to be positive uh, in 2021. <laughs> But it would literally, if I could sit there in front of these women and in front of these influencers, both male and female, and be like, why didn't you post this? Why didn't you say anything? I don't know that I could. I feel like I would just punch them in the face mm-hmm. and hope to God I knocked some sense into them. But what would you say to someone in our industry who decided that they just didn't care, that they weren't gonna post about it? What would you say to that, that person? So it's interesting as a black woman, you know, as a black person in general, if, if I come across as aggressive or if I come across as as passionate, it's aggression. It is, uh, it roots right back to systemic racism. It roots right back to black stereotypes. And so when I spoke out, um, and started, it started gaining attention. I was calling people out. I was like, you have these huge platforms, you know, you can't talk about a man calling for his mother, you can't talk about somebody who was literally a first responder who was shot down in her home. Like, help me, help me understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard time and again, well, this is my business. You know, this is what I to do to support my family. Um, Instagram is not political. I don't want to get political. Um, and my response has always been to that. It must be nice. Like it truly must be nice to not have to have years of trauma. It must be nice not to feel uncomfortable in class when you're in Black History Month and people are looking around. I went to predominantly white school. Uh, I lived in a predominantly Jewish town. And so anytime we had like Black History Month and we talked about it, it was horrific for me. Like it was, it was horrible. It must be nice to not have a mother who would drive into her small Southern town where there was a sign up on the billboard that said KKK land, love it or leave it. It like, it must be nice to sleep in privilege. It, it honestly must be nice to not fear for your life when you leave the house. Like, and, and that's what I've continued to say. And some people are like, well, you know, it can't be that bad. What do you mean? I, I think truly people do not understand that segregation was what, 60 years ago? Like, I, I, I think people don't get it. I think they think it's like, oh, it was hundreds of years ago. No, my mother lived through segregation. She raised us in the North, but she lived through it all. Like, yeah. it just must be nice to be that blind. Yeah. And I think too, like, I just can't for the life of me understand how anyone could look at that. And, and it's not a political issue. It is a right and wrong. It is moral. It is life and death. It has nothing to do with the way that you vote. I have friends who immediately, you know, you know, posted about it, were immediately trying to have conversations and elevate Black voices. Now, are they Republican and conservative? Yes. Do I have issues with the way that they vote? Yes, of course I do. I'm, I'm a liberal. I'm a very liberally minded person. 
But, you know, it, it's not about your political affiliation. It's whether you agree or you disagree that Black lives either do matter or they don't. And we're not talking about everybody else. We can't get to everybody else until we can all agree and come to a consensus that Black lives matter. And I didn't realize that saying that Black people matter was political. I didn't understand that. I still don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to me because it's like, of course you matter. Of course right. you, Tiffany, matter to me. And of course, as somebody that's a human being, if you're being wronged in any way, as a fellow human being, I should be the, we should be the first to step up and be like, absolutely not. We're not tolerating this. That's what we're not going to do today. But it's like, I just, I don't understand. I've had to cut off a lot of friendships in the last year because I'm just like, you just don't get it and you're never going to get it. And I can't associate myself with someone who doesn't understand this. I'm not going to do it because yeah. it's not just your privilege that's showing, it is your racism that is showing. Yeah. And, you know, for me, as someone who has had to walk away from so many of these friendships, I would do it all over again if it meant making sure that your life was protected, the life of your daughter is protected, the life of your mother is protected, your loved ones are protected. I would do it all over again. And so I do my best and I know I'm not perfect and I'm going to screw up a million times, but I've always thought, you know, it's better for me to say something and it be wrong than for me to just be quiet. Yeah. Um, you know, and so that's something that I feel is very, very important. Um, and I think that when it comes to saying things on this matter, you should be like the textbook definition, like the go-to for this stuff, because I swear to God, the way that you have presented a lot of this stuff when it comes to social justice and, and just, you know, raising a black daughter, like you said, you know, she is black in, in view of the world. Yes, she's biracial, but she's black. And, you know, I just, I wish that everyone, like, honestly, I want you to write a book on this. Like I, I genuinely, like I would literally show up to every single one of your book signings and have you just sign my book over and over and over again. And I would like literally buy 10 million copies and give it away to everyone. Did you ever think that this was going to be part of what you like is literally in your bio, social justice? Did you ever think that you'd be that kind of influencer? Never. It's, you know, I've always been outspoken. I've always had an issue in social justice and injustice. And I think it stems from my mother growing up in segregation and being one out of 14. And, you know, she would tell me stories about how my grandfather would go work in the field for this guy named Dean. And he would always call him Mr. Dean and look at the floor. And my mom was like, I was openly defiant to him and I would never call him Mr. Dean. It was always Dean, Dean. And I would look him right in the eye, you know? So for me, it's always been ingrained in me. But like, even like when I went, met my husband, who's white, like I was never like, oh, like I got to give you the side eye. I was like, oh, I love you. You're great. Like, you're great. You're cool people. Um, but I, no, I, I never, ever did I think it would be a part of my platform. Do I think at this point it needs to be? Yeah. Yes. 110%. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I still feel like a lot of people aren't speaking up. I feel like a lot of people posted the black square and now we've gone back to BAU business as usual. And, you know, I, I, I think a lot of people are acting like this just happened. And it's sometimes like, 
I literally have had to say to my friends who are not black, like y'all realize when the Declaration of Independence was written, like you realize when the Constitution, like all of this was built, there were slaves. They had to remove it from the, the Constitution. Like you realize that slavery was legal. Like it wasn't written for me and my ancestors. It was not. And then I've had people be like, well, well, you, you, you have a lot of liberties now. Like you have the same liberties that, that all white people have now. No, I don't. No, I don't. And that, like, that is why I have to use my platform because I think people think like you have a nice purse. Oh, you have it. You know, you have everything you need. You have a designer purse. You have a nice ring. You live in a nice apartment. You're good to go. You don't have any, pro you don't have any trouble. It's fine. Yeah, that was one thing too that I think has really become evident to me is that you having these nice things, especially like Chelsea is one of my best friends. And, you know, I see the way that white people treat her because she's a successful black woman who has nice things. She drives a nice car, she carries a Louis Vuitton, but she's worked her butt off to have all of that. But the level of like hatred towards successful black women still. I was just like, it's not simply just because she's a black woman, it's because she's a black woman with money. She's a black woman with a nicer purse than I have. So therefore there's no such thing as white privilege because we always want to attach monetary values to privilege. I just don't understand that. That's a whole thing I could go off on because I'm like, listen, uh-uh, no, absolutely not. It's not how that works. Um, but it's just like, I'm so tired of having to like, look at white people in my life and be like you white privilege isn't a myth it's literally documented in like you said into everything from our country's founding and you know there's going to be some people who are going to listen to my you know my podcast who are not going to agree with that and to those people I always have to just be like that's okay you stay on your side but I'm not going to be quiet about this and you're not going to control what I what I what I say and what I do um nobody's ever really been able to control me including my mother um I was very rebellious <laughs> um it's just that's just who I am but um I want to take a quick break um and then when we come back I want to dive in to a little bit more about your family and you specifically as a mother Lida D. Newman was a patented African-American inventor and involved activist for women's suffrage she is best known for the invention of a durable hairbrush Newman's improvements to that brush made her a significant contributor to its evolution. She was granted a patent for her invention in 1898. Newman's brush was the first hairbrush with synthetic bristles, but Newman's brush also had several other unique innovations. Today, Behind the Filter is celebrating a Black inventor and an activist for women's rights, Lida D. Newman. Alrighty, we are back with Tiffany at Turner Moon, and... We have, you know, you've talked a lot about your mom and uh, I want to talk about you as a mom and specifically a mom to uh, a biracial, a biracial daughter. Um, I think one of the most moving things for me of 2020 was getting to see um, the post that you had with your daughter after we elected a black woman as the vice president. What was that moment like for you as a mom and what is it like for you as a mom that's also an influencer? Oof, I could cry. Um, that moment was incredible. I mean, we <laughs> we were both like, what? She's black. She's a woman. Like, she looks like me. Um, 
it was so rewarding. You know, my daughter is truly, aside from my husband, she is my biggest fan. And she's so articulate and she's so outspoken and she has such a good heart, but she's such a firecracker like her mama. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) It's so funny. Sometimes I'm like, Bella, you don't pay any bills, like slow your roll. She'll be like, (laughs) I play bills in Roblox and I'm just like, oh my God. (laughs) Oh, I love her. (laughs) She's my, she's literally, I, if my children do not have that same spirit about them. It will be a miracle from God because I'm also a firecracker and a spitfire. So I love that. Oh my God. Yeah. You, you know, you have to embrace it, especially this day and time. Like that's like the one thing like I refuse to do is like try and quench her inner fire. Like I love that about her as long as she knows when to bring it out and when to pull it back a little bit. Um, I'm good, but it was really big. You know, it was really, really big. I sit down with Bella and I talk to her about black history all the time. Um, we talk to her about my side of the family. That's Irish. The, her dad's family is Italian. So we give her a full, full roster really of all her family members and everything that's flowing through her blood. Um, but one of the biggest things I always say to her is you, you have slave blood, like flowing through your veins. Like you are a descendant of slaves and literally there is a woman in office as the vice president. And it's, it's just like the awe in her face when it happened. Like I could, I could cry thinking about it. Like it was was, as a mom, as a black mom, it was so, so freaking rewarding. I loved it. I, it, I mean, I, I still like cry every time I like see her speak or I see like anything, I cry over it. Um, It was so monumental for me. And I'm not even a woman, let alone a black woman. I'm not a mother yet, you know, even a black mother at that. And I know how rewarding that was for me. And so I can only imagine how that is. And um, as an influencer and a mom, has it been hard to balance the two of, you know, showing your child, which you do show a lot and then wanting to protect her and, you know, make sure, because there are some crazies out in the world. We all know this, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so has that been hard to find that balance or even the balance of like, you know, I really want to play with you right now, Bella, but mommy has to do work right now. And, you know, what does that balance kind of looks like for you um, as a mom? It's hard. Um, you know, I have a full-time job on type on top of influencing uh, full-time and Bella is a firecracker. So she will check me and be like, um, you've been on your phone a lot. You have a kid. And I'll be like, Ooh, and like, I'll be like, ew, Bella, you didn't have to say it like that. And she'll be like, I mean, you forgot me. So when she says stuff like that, like it hits me in my gut because I had Bella when I was 20. I got pregnant when I was 19. I dropped out of pre-law, like, but I gave up everything for her and I would, I would do it again. And, but we've literally grown up together and she is truly my best friend and she knows me inside and out. So when she says to me, you've been in your phone too much, or you're always recording stuff. I, I like, I take it serious and I'm like, okay, what do you need me to do? Like, do you feel like I'm not paying attention to you? Do you want to do like a mommy daughter? Do you want me to put my phone away? Like put in blocks of time where I won't be on my phone. And um, my husband and I had a candid talk with her and she was like, I would like it if you like didn't use your phone as much on the weekend. And I don't really mind you recording me, but sometimes like, I just want you to be there with me. And I was like, you got it. Like, (laughs) let me know what you need, girl. You got it. 
Um, it's hard though. It's, it's really hard. And yeah, it, it's, I'm, I'm scared for her. You know, I, I post her because I love her and I'm so proud of her. But then other times I'm like, people who are crazy, they're not, they're, they're not always stupid. Sometimes they're so yeah. smart that they're <laughs> crazy, you know? So they, I could see somebody being like, oh, I know how to get to her. Like, you know, do something to her daughter or say something about her daughter. And, and it, it is, it's, it's my biggest button, you know, it's hard. Yeah. I can't, I mean, I can't imagine. I mean, I, I have a, a dog and a cat and I'm, you know, very, I, they're like my children. They are literally my children, especially being home with them every single day now for almost a year, um, yeah. as we all, because of COVID and everything, it's been like, I mean, they're my, they're my babies. They're my heart and soul. I would do anything for them. And mm-hmm. you know, I always joke around with Chelsea, my dog is brown. And I'm like, I have a little, I was, I'm like, I have a brown child. And so like, I'm over here and I'm like, look at the TV screen. Like there's a vice president that looks like you. And I'm like, you know, and so I always joke with Chelsea, I had the first edition of Hillary Clinton's What Happened book. And I was so proud to have like gotten the first edition of this book. I came home, my dog had ripped it to shreds. And I was like, is this your way of telling me that you're a Republican? I was like, I did not raise you this way. How dare you? So Chelsea and I, Chelsea will always be like, stop, you have a black son. Stop calling him a Republican. And I'm like, I'm like I do have a black son. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, and so she and I joke around about it a lot too, because we talk a lot about, you know, raising children and how difficult it's going to be for, for us in that moment. I don't, I, I couldn't imagine bringing a child into this world right now. Um, oh. It would scare the living hell out of me. Um especially like, I don't know how you guys as parents have these conversations with your children. Like I can barely have the conversations with my adult parents, let alone, you know, trying to explain what's going on in the world, you know, to a six-year-old, a seven-year-old. So I have so much respect for you as a mom and, you know, just, you know, obviously you're a very successful businesswoman and so I have to give kudos where I, where I can, because God knows you are doing something I could never do, um, especially right now, which is raise a child. Um, God knows I'm not ready for that. I can barely take care of myself and my, my fur baby. I'm like, not today. That's what I said. I was like, I'm it's, not ready for this. Like, It's a good thing that I can't reproduce alone. So <laughs> I am... <laughs> It's a very good thing that me and my future husband can't reproduce naturally. I'm like, it's going to be okay. We'll we'll have that conscious decision to go to an adoption agency or seek out a surrogate. And we'll have that conversation before, but it's a miracle that I cannot get anybody pregnant. I can't get pregnant. Um, Because God knows it would have already happened a long time ago. And I'm Lord knows I'd not be raising a child with that man. Um, So... (laughs) I'm not fit to be a parent life. right now, Tiffany. I'm not fit to be a parent and I'm owning it and I'm, I know where my gifts lie and it's in being Look. an uncle and that's about it. So, I mean, I have, I, some of my friends' kids literally call me Aunt Patrick and I'm like, I'm so here for that. I'm like, I love that. It's I like, love that. Like on Honey Boo Boo where she had the gay uncle and he was Uncle Poodle. I'm like, hey, it's fine. Call me Aunt Patrick, Uncle Poodle, Gunkle Patrick, whatever you want to call me. Just as long as you say it with a respectful tone so I don't have to backslap you. Because so, it will happen. Because it will happen, which is why I also did not follow my mother's footsteps and become a third grade teacher. Because God knows I'd have been in jail a long time ago because I'd have slapped a child to the floor. Yeah. Um, I'm just like, I look at some kids and I'm like, did you? Did she? Did you just say that to your mother? 
And I'm, and now I've like, I've been around my mom and, you know, and she's seen me react like that. And she was like, sweetie, you were the exact same way, but you were worse. And I was like, I've always had a mouth on me. It gets me in trouble sometimes. So (laughs) still gets me in trouble. Me too. Me too. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I'm like, you, you take it, take, you take me as I am, or you don't get me at all. Cause I'm not going to filter anything over here, which is why we're behind the filters today. Amen. Shameless plug. (laughs) (laughs) So, <laughs> um, I want to know about your husband. Like, how did you meet him? You've talked about, you know, that he is a white man, you know, how is that for you? How is, you know, where did you meet him? I want to know all about him. And he's so handsome, by the way. So props to you, sister. Thank you. That's my boo. <laughs> His name is Jesse. So we actually, um, met at work and I had like a rule, like I wasn't dating anybody I worked with and he works, um, for a different, like, um, I work at the bank and then he works kind of like he's an engineer. So they kind of like oversee everything in our building. So he's not really with my company, but whatever. So yeah, we met at work and um, one of the older ladies introduced us and she was like, you have to meet this girl. She's new. She's so cute. And I saw him and I was like, Oh, he's cute, but he's rude. He's mean. Like, (laughs) and like the more I got to know him, we became best friends. And I was like, not a lot of people outside of my mother will check me and then kiss me on the forehead. Like I'm here for all of this. And when he came over for our first date, it was so funny. He, um, I thought like, Oh, like I'll just go out uh, to the car and he's a Southern gentleman. And he came and opened the door and he came to the house, like to pick me up. And I was like, why are you at the door? And he was like, uh, to pick you up. And I had like threatened Bella within an inch of her life. And I was like, you don't come out, stay in the room. You stay in there with my sister. I was like, stay in there with Kiki. Don't come out. And of course, Bella came out and was standing at the top of the stairs and was like all shy. And she was like, hi. And he was like, hi. I know she was five when we met. And they've been inseparable ever since. She calls him daddy. She, she's the, I, their, their relationship is so special. Like I love them together. She literally told me if you guys ever ended up divorced, I'm going to live with them. And I was like, Bella. Uh, Me. <laughs> you realize I was here for five years before he got here, right? She's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to live with daddy. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Less said, Bella. Less, okay. less said. <laughs> like, all right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> see what you say when he said, ask you, um, when you ask, can you date? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead and live with daddy. I see how that works out for you, Bella. Bye. You yeah. just wait a couple more years. <laughs> Can I wear this belly shirt? <laughs> Let me know how that works out, Bella. Okay. That's yeah. correct. Correct. Uh, you be coming back home to mommy real quick. So. <laughs> <laughs> they make I me so it. sick. They're like two peas in a pod. Um, oh, but it's, it's not always easy. You know, marriage yeah. is not easy at all. I have been engaged four times. My husband was my fourth. Um, and I'm always like, I was a commitment phobe. And like, I would say yes. And my therapist, who I believe in therapy, I think it's great. I uh-huh. still go. My therapist will be like, you you realize like you're literally wife material. Like the the problem, the commitment phobe is you. And I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he just made me so comfortable that I never wanted to leave. But it's hard. It's it's hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> yeah. I I I don't date because I'm also a commitment phobe. Like I don't do it. I've never when I do do it, it ends up in uh, something bad. And so then it's like, 
uh, PTSD. I don't know if I can trust you. Right. Are you actually right. psycho? Are you actually a cheater? And then I'm like, Patrick, calm down. Like, you, yeah. you're projecting this onto them and it's you that has the issue. So be quiet yes. Just sit there and be quiet and let this man show you some attention. Um, God knows I'm not very good at that. Um, it's, and so, I mean, I, and especially living in North Carolina, which is, you know, the South, people act as it's like the North and I'm like, it is the South. I can't imagine being in, you know, a biracial relationship and how difficult that was for you and, or, you know, interracial, excuse me, not biracial, get it together, peeweed. Um, you know, I'm like, it's a Sunday. I'm like, <laughs> I'm exhausted from the spirit at church this morning and my baptism. I'm just, I'm, I'm over here. I'm just trying to get, get all the words correct. Get them out. Okay. I'm with you. I'm with you. So I can't imagine what that was like for you guys though. So it sucks. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. It's like, I, I, it's like one of those things where like, you know, it happens. I mean, like I know that it happens. I mean, God knows I grew up in a town of 5,500, 6,000 people in Alabama, middle of nowhere. I remember like, uh, you know, it was God, God forbid that a white girl went to prom with a black boy. You, as soon as you signed up for it, that list would get sent to the principal. The principal would have to clear everything. And God forbid, if you were a white girl that was going to prom with a black boy, the principal would call your mother and your father and be like, do you know that your daughter is going to prom with a black guy? Oh and it was like, that was, that was real. Like that happened. And God forbid, it was even more of an uproar when two lesbians went to prom together. God almighty Jesus. It was like, <gasps> oh my God. What? Clutching the pearls. Yeah. Like clutching the pearls, yet you're watching RuPaul's Drag Race drunk on your couch on a Friday night, you know, so. All of that. You know, God forbid, you know, you're you're throwing, you know, a, a baby shower for the girl that got pregnant out of wedlock inside the church, but God forbid that a white girl dates a black boy. God forbid Jesus of Nazareth be dark-skinned. Yeah. <laughs> Honey, I'm not. God forbid. God forbid. God forbid. <laughs> Um, I also too, I want to talk about you as an, in, as an influencer a little bit, cause we've talked so much about, you know, you away from Instagram and, you know, but there is so much to our businesses that, and that's what we are. We are businesses and brands and mm -hmm. God knows, I, I wish people could get that through their head. Um, you know, so where would you like to see you and tiffanyturnermoon.com where do you want to see you and your brand as an influencer in five years Oof! dang patrick you're making me this is like an interview question. i hate when they when i used to interview for jobs and they'd be asking me this question i'm like honey i'm just hoping five minutes i'm able to go to the bathroom and are we going to wrap this interview up soon because i'm right. a net sister right five years i'll be like uh i want your job is that is that plausible <laughs> um five years you know I was talking to my girlfriend, um, Alisa, she's a influencer as well. And I was saying, I love what I do, but I'm not completely fulfilled um, with my platform. And, you know, I love to talk about clothes and beauty and, and, and natural hair, like as much as the next person. I said, but, you know, my, my true passion lies in, in the center of being a voice for the people who don't have a voice. And she said to me, she was like, I had gotten on my, my stories and I think I was talking about the insurrection. And uh, she said, 
you're an activist. She was like, this is the Tiffany that I like to see. Like, this is the Tiffany that I love. Like you showing up like this, like you are an activist. And I was like, don't like, don't call me that. Like, that's, that's like, those are big shoes to fill. Like Rosa Parks is an activist and, you know, Martin Luther King, Mecca Evers, like they were activists. Like I, I don't feel worthy of that title, but I'd like to be worthy of it. You know, I, I'd like to, I'd like to feel like I am an activist. And so honestly, I've done probably within like the last two weeks, like I've done a lot of soul searching and in five years, like I would love for my platform really to first and foremost, be a a platform that kind of bridges the gap, um, but also a a platform of activism and and just kind of standing up for people who are marginalized, you know, for lack of a better term. I mean, they really are. Um, And then I would love to still sprinkle in clothes or sprinkle in natural hair, you know, stuff like that versus now it's just clothes and hair and, you know, my opinion, and then a little bit of activism. Like I, I, I'd like to flip it. I'd like to flip it around. Let me ask you this. And this is a question I, it's, I obviously to everyone that's listening, I send all of my guests over like an outline of things we're going to talk about because I never want to blindside you, but I'm about to blindside you with a question (laughs) and ask it. I'm so sorry. And you can yell at me when we're not recording. It's totally fine. You can yell at me on, on the recording. Would you ever run for office? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm about to yell at you. Um, <laughs> I, I have, it's, this is so funny. Okay. So in Connecticut, I knew like a lot of people who were in the political scene and I always used to be like, I would, I would just love to be in office to make a difference. Now. I don't know. Honestly, prior to the insurrection, I might've, after the insurrection, I, if I didn't have Bella, yes. Now that I have Bella and seeing like what these people have to fear and the possibilities, I don't know. Honestly, I would just be happy. Like I would just be happy working in the, like behind the scenes. Like, and it's, it's not, it's not particularly where I want to be, but even if they were like, can you write a speech? Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. I can do that. I I don't want to be the face. Like for me, I just want to be a part of the solution. That's it. Um, dang, you're really making me think about this now too. Yeah. Well, the only reason why I ask is like it's on. Like I have a vision board in my bedroom, and part of my five year plan is to run for office. Um, it you know on a state level here in Tennessee you know, God knows I'm gonna have a lot of barriers in my way as a, as a, you know, an openly gay man in a very conservative red state, but I do live in the blue dot area of Metro Nashville, which is nice. And so I'll never leave Davidson County because we are the one blue dot in the middle of the state. I'm not, I ain't going, I ain't going over to Williamson County where all the rich people live because I don't want to deal with all that. Mm -hmm. Um, But if I do ever run for office, you can just like be my communications director and I'll just, I would love that. And I'll just, you know, I'll let you tear into these reporters and to all these, you know, terrible people here. I'm like dream team right here. So, and I would do the same for you. So if you ever run for office, just let me know. You know, my, my background is in publicity and PR and advertising and marketing. Is it really? Um, yeah. So I'm a marketing director um, in software sales, uh, which oh, is yeah. like, people like look at me and they're like, you're so artistic. Why are you in software? I'm like, honestly, tech marketing is it's fun because I get to be creative 
And, and that's what makes me good at this. It's because I bring in stuff from the other realm of things that I do. And so, but yeah, I just had to ask if you were going to run for office because I can see Ooh. it. Ooh. I'm like, Senator Moon. Yes. I'm like, mm. <laughs> Makes me feel With the afro. It's, it's stirring me in my spirit today. Mm-hmm. So okay. I just think there's so, there's such a need for, I think there's so much more of a need for black women in government and in roles. And I mean, I know you said you, you didn't really want, you know, you didn't know if you wanted that title of activist, but I look at you uh, as an activist already. And, you know, we're not super close friends. We are just Instagram friends up until now. And now I'm calling you one of my best friends after this call and I'm gonna call you all the time. But it's like, I, I literally view you as an activist because you activate me to want to do things and to better myself and to better the world around me. So you can wear that title. And yes, there are big shoes to fill, but your shoe size is only as big as you make it. You know, that's one thing to think about too. So we're gonna take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to have a little bit more fun and I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. So we'll be right back. This Black History Month, myself and the entire Behind the Filter team is exceptionally proud to celebrate a woman who broke the tallest and highest glass ceiling. Kamala Harris, a former prosecutor and then California's Attorney General, who was the second Black woman ever elected to the United States Senate, became the Vice President of the United States of America. She was elected the first female and the first black South Asian person into the office of the vice presidency. So today we are so proud to salute you, Madam Vice President. All right, we are back for some rapid fire questions. We're gonna have some fun, okay? We've covered some some deep topics. There's been some tears had, some tears yeah. flowing. Um, and we've talked about a lot of real life shit. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, I'm over here. I just got back from church and I'm already saying shit. Excuse me, Lord. Um, <laughs> forgive me, forgive me. I'll be in the parking lot. I'll be like, oh Lord, I'm sorry. My bad. I'm I know there's some days where I like roll up and I'm on the phone with somebody and I'm just cussing somebody out and I'm cussing about something. And I'm like, you've got me over here saying the F word and I'm trying to walk up into church. Can you get off the phone talking crazy to me this morning? <laughs> Lay it on the altar. I'm like, Lord, now I got to go in here. And the first thing I got to do is walk in here and repent. I can't even, <laughs> I can't receive the message until I repent for just cussing you out in the hallway. Um, <laughs> happens more times than I care to admit. Me too. Um, Me too. So, um, I'll ask you a couple of questions and then I'll give you like 10 seconds to respond. Um, these are just designed to be super fun, um, and for us to get to know you, um, on a more superficial level now that we know you on a deeper level. So, um, number one is who is your favorite influencer to follow and why is it Patrick Weaver blog? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, it is. Uh, favorite yeah. uh, Carolyn Moran. I really enjoy um, following her. She has really broken a lot of barriers um, being a plus size model, plus size influencer. She speaks her mind and she is always lending a voice to the Black community, which I love. Love that. Love that. She's a great follow for sure. Um, what is your most guilty pleasure? Oh. Does wine count? Does beer count? <laughs> beer, beer, pumpkin beer. That is my. Oh, favorite. you know, uh, like literally, I I love Blue Moon. Like Blue Moon is the only beer that I'll drink, like from a like from a store. 
Um, and it's just, it's always been Blue Moon. It just always has. It was my first love. Um, it was the first beer that I drank, fun fact, in high school was a Blue really? Moon. Do you put the orange slice? Uh-huh. Oh, yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay. Yes, ma'am. Um, if you don't, then I'm like, mm, you might be a communist. Like, if you <laughs> what? But the pumpkin, the freaking pumpkin blue moon is literally like, I don't know why it's not sold year round. I don't know why. I want a pumpkin. I, I'm feeling pumpkin spice in April. Yes, I okay. am. Basic. I'm basic. Yeah, oh, I'm, I am literally the most basic bitch you will ever meet. Like I'm that girl that goes to Starbucks or, or Dunkin' every morning for my oat latte and my vegan, uh, my vegan wake up wrap. Like I, that's what I'm gonna get every morning. And you know what? It's okay if I spend $9 at, at Dunkin' every morning because it brings me joy. So I ain't gonna stop it because it brings me some joy. Don't worry. Uh-uh. I, it's, I'm the most basic bitch alive. I am. So, I live for it, but yeah, wine is probably like my most guilty pleasure, but it's not really, I don't feel guilty about it. And everyone knows that I'm like, you know, borderlining, you know, wino. Um, it's just like, it just like a specifically like a good Pinot Noir. I could just. Oh my gosh. I, have, I like drinking it or cooking with them. I, uh-huh. oh my God, it's so good. Mm-hmm. So. Which now good. I'm vegan. I've been vegan for the last five months. And so. Um, I haven't had meat in forever. And the one thing that I miss so much is a pot roast, like a good pot roast. And I used to take a bottle of Cabernet and put the whole bottle of Cabernet into the crock pot with a little mm-hmm. bit of beef stock. You don't need the, all that beef stock. Cause you got the beef in there. You use the Cabernet and it's like, oh, it's just, just the smell of that wine. Like, oh. Waking up to that in the morning and knowing like I got roast today and I don't just got any roast. I got a Cabernet Sauvignon pot roast. <laughs> now I tried to make it with jackfruit and honey. I'm just going to tell you my spirit was heavy when I ate it. It was not very good. Really? It, it did not have the same. I mean, I make pot roast with jackfruit all the time, but I specifically made this one with the Cabernet. It's just something about the jackfruit flavor or the texture of it. that just did not it didn't love the wine like it was supposed to. They, they, they didn't, they fought. It was not Try good. adding coffee. So I did a recipe. Um, yeah. Where you use like a dark roast coffee. It's dark roast coffee and wine. And it like, it took it to like a brand new, it was so good. I'll find the recipe and I'll send it to you. It was oh so yes. good. That might do it. It might blend the two. Let, let's, I'm gonna have to try something because God knows like pot roast was just something like growing up. That was like a comfort food for me. Yeah. Sundays and pot roast. Yeah. And then I, I went through a phase where I did the Mississippi roast with the whole jar of pepperoncinis and then the dill sauce. It's just like, oof. you really make me hungry. And I'm over here and I'm like, I, I literally have a, like a, a church party to go to. And I'm about to walk up in here. I'm going to be like, so sorry, you guys, I've been busy, but where's the food? Um, <laughs> Oh gosh. Uh, speaking of food, what's your favorite food of all time? Uh, pasta, like literally, and it's not even like just like spaghetti or just like, like any pasta I'm down. Bella's grandmother is Italian. She's in Connecticut. Whenever she comes from Connecticut, she brings sauce. She'll make it like two days before she'll freeze it and then bring me a ton to put in my freezer. And I just put it over Cavatelli pasta. Oh my gosh. With meatballs, any type of pasta, just give me pasta and a red sauce and I'm happy. Yeah. I'm like it pasta period is great. And Mm -hmm. 
and even if it is like one of those nasty red and yellow lentil pastas that I eat <laughs> vegan, you know, I can't have no egg pasta anymore. Um, <laughs> the pasta just period. It's just, I've never met a pasta I didn't like. Me neither. Ever. Never. Like I challenge somebody to find a pasta that they didn't like. You can't. And if they say they didn't like it, you lying. You mm-hmm. lying, something wrong with you. You lying. It's not the pasta you're mad at. It's probably the sauce, but it ain't mm-hmm. pasta. So mm-hmm. yeah, that that pasta for me. And then also uh, queso. It's just oh, I love thing. queso. And now like I, I have been through so many different quesos trying you know, to find a one that's vegan that I actually like. And I finally have one. It's by this brand called Siete and it's a cashew queso. Is it good? I tell you, it warms my heart. Does it really? Cold. This queso is good cold. It is good warm. It is good hot. It is good on a taco, on a burrito, on nachos. It is good on pasta because Lord knows nice. I can style vegan pasta with queso as the sauce. And it's a cashew queso? Mm-hmm. And it's made from cashews. Now it is a little bit more grainy than like a normal, you know, queso yeah. because it is, you know, I mean, you are making it from cashews. Um, but yeah, that's, that's a really good one. And I, I'm, I'm working on my own little like uh, queso recipe for, for the blog that you can make with nutritional yeast. Got a little oh. bit more playing around with it, you know, for the recipe is ready for everybody. But when I get it, uh, get it right and get it tight, these people are going to be. Okay, boo. Okay. I'm like, I know I grew, I mean, growing up, I literally was in the kitchen all the time with my aunt, God rest her soul. She passed uh, this past uh, September, but um, she taught me how to cook when I was eight. Like I, I have been cooking since I was eight years old. My mother to this day is like, you are a better cook than anybody in this family. And I'm like, yes, but you know, I, I, my mother never had to worry about me going off to college and not knowing how to cook because I was yeah. the one that I'm still teaching her how to cook. So, and she's the, okay, Patrick. so when's the ebook coming? I mean, honestly, we're, we're working on it. We're working on it. Okay. So, okay. No, because I've, I want plant-based eating to become a little bit more mainstream, but I also don't want people to be scared of it. I'm like, listen, so I actually tricked everyone at my Christmas, my family Christmas dinner, which was a lot smaller this year because of COVID, but yeah. um, we as a family just needed to be together since we had a couple of deaths in the family throughout the last year. And so Everyone was smart. We all got our COVID test and then we all quarantined for two days. And then we came together for our dinner, but I brought a vegan mac and cheese. I ain't tell nobody that it was vegan. And I sat it down next to somebody else's mac and cheese and people ate all of mine. And are you serious? And people didn't know. And I was like, I'm so glad y'all liked my vegan mac and cheese. And my granddaddy (laughs) looked at me and he goes, the hell did you just say? And I was like, it's a plant-based mac and cheese. There's no real cheese in that. And he looked at me and he goes, why are you lying? And I was like, I'm not lying. Like, it was so good. They did. They had no idea. But see, if you don't tell people what's in stuff and then they just eat it, then they realize like, oh, being plant-based is not as scary as I thought it was. I'm like, it's actually, I feel better than I have in years. But I ne- I wanted to learn how to make all of the recipes that I knew I could not live without, like roast or tacos mm-hmm. Or, you know, queso or mac and cheese or pasta. I had to kind of ease myself in before mm-hmm. I went fully vegan because I was like, I, I'm not going to give up on some of these foods. Like food brings me joy. It is it is me my too. love language is food. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also why I have to go to the gym twice a day right now. Um, but, you know, so I was like, yeah, but no, we, we, 
got some stuff in the works on. Okay. Yeah. So I'll let you know. I'll send you, I'll send you a copy ahead of time. I'll, okay. That way you can just cook through everything and you can tell me if it's good or not. You can, you know what? We'll, you, I'll give you the recipes and then you let Bella FaceTime with me and we'll see how, what she thinks. Cause I know she can give it to me straight. Yeah, she will. That girl has no chill. Oh my gosh! I, I mean, I I I I need her input. She, I will lit. I'll, I will pay her. You can tell her I will pay her to be a little guinea pig for me. <laughs> I'll make mashed potatoes. She'll be like, uh, they need a pinch of salt. They need a little seasoning. I'll be like, uh, okay. I'm like okay. Why don't you get in here and cook yourself some dinner? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, who? What is the favorite brand that you've collabed with? Ooh. Oh, that's a good one. Obvious reasons. Mm, favorite brand, probably. Actually, honestly, probably Shop Style Collective. Um, they have been like, <laughs> some people might not know, I spoke out very, very heavily about like to know it, not using their platform and giving uh, platform to creators of color and giving it to four women uh, influencing color does not count or doesn't mask the entire, doesn't cover the entire demographic of black women. So um, shop style, they've, they've been, I mean, they've been on it. Like not just me, but they'll ask me, do you know any creators of color that we should be working with? Here's Ah. an initiative we're doing. What do you think about this? Like they've been phenomenal. Every time I collaborate with them, like I feel like I'm heard. They are taking my opinion um, into consideration. They always ask me, do you have anybody else that we could consider collaborating with? How are we doing? Do you have any feedback? And to me, that is everything. I I love that. And I think that's so incredible for a brand. Because um, Lord knows uh, one thing that I have thought about time and time again is like, okay, you posted that black square. What have you done since then? What are right. you continuing to do? Or did you post the black square just to say you posted it? And thankfully, thankfully, every brand that I have worked with has been very good about, you know, because I'm, I'm petty. I go back through those feeds and I'm like, you said you were going to elevate Black voices. Well, you know, why haven't there been any Black faces on your feed since? Oh, okay. we're about to start it back up for Black History yeah. Month. Like, you can just call me Petty LaBelle because I, yeah. like, I will call it out. Yeah, and I'm also like... Absolute Vodka has, you know, and Oreo and all these other people do stuff for Pride Month. I better see some people saying something about yeah. Black History Month if they posted a Black Square period, end of story. I'm like... That's a good point. Because Oreo like, especially us, does. Us as the gay community, honey, we we might not be equal under the eyes of the law all the time, but we, we're treated a lot better than the Black community. And that's terrible yeah. to say. Yeah. But it's the truth. Yeah, um, it is. But that's one thing too. I'm like, mm, if you ain't Target, like I worked with Target during Pride Month and they were wonderful and they're great. But now there are some issues with that there, but I, I can't even get into that. But mm-hmm. um, mm, mm, you understand me. I'm mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like, okay, great. Where's, where are the, where are the trans women? Where's that, where's the black trans women that, you know, you should be posting instead of. I'm I'm adorable. I know I am. I know I look good in your newsletter, but honey, I'm going to need you to do a little bit more. So, um, 
what is your favorite movie of all time? Oh, Gladiator. Gladiator is by far, I know, I love historical movies and I also love um, um, any type of like war action movie, but it has to be kind of like war based. Um, I actually did, oh God, it seems like so long ago, in high school and middle school, I did acting. And just about most of my monologues were from Gladiator. Um, I just love it. And the soundtrack is bomb. The soundtrack is. I haven't seen that movie in ages. Uh, my, I watched it two weeks ago. So, like, it's so basic, but it's still Magnolia's. Oh, Shelby. Shelby is, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you one guess. Who of those ladies do you think I am? Weezer. Weezer, I, I'm kind of a fusion between Weezer and Clary because I'm that person that's like, if you don't have anything nice to say, honey, come, come sit by me. And I'm like, we can sell t-shirts that say I slapped Weezer Boudreaux. And it's like the drunker I get too, the more Southern I get sometimes. It, it, it fluctuates. My friends used to like make fun of me because like in one minute when I'm like really drunk, I start to sound like I'm from New York or I'm like from Michigan and, you know, and then the next minute I'm like so country that they're like, you are straight from middle of nowhere, Alabama. I um, love it though. I love your accent. I like wow. my husband, like every time he says something, I'm like, say it again. He's it just is. like, you're so weird. <laughs> it's one of those things too. Like, I didn't think I had a bad accent. Like, and then I like tried to work on it. I was like, let's, you know, cut out that because that's not going to look really, really good. I was working in New York and in Nashville for a while, going back and forth. My office was based in New York. And so I was like, if I end up moving to New York, like, I, I don't need to be talking like this because people are going to look at me and be like, you're so uneducated. Like what? And I'm no. like, no. And, I, and now like, I'm fine now. People love the Southern accent. Love. I'm like, okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm Southern, but I'm woke. So look okay. at it. So period, period. period. Uh, <laughs> I'm so mad that I can't just sit on here all day with you. I could do this all day. Um, who's your celebrity crush? And if it's more than one, like you can give me like your top four. Um, whoa. Okay. So Bridgerton, I don't know like his actual name, but the man who, plays, <laughs> oh my God, the man who plays the Duke of Hastings, like, first of all, I read all of the books. I've like read the books. I'm, I oh love God. Julia Quinn. I've read them yes. a million times over. Um, but when I saw that they had a black man playing the Duke, I was like, okay, mm -hmm. representation matters. I'm here for that. And he is fine. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. So him. Yeah. He, he just, he does, he does it just across it. He checks every box for me. Yeah. 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 I don't know his name, but he's just beautiful. Yes. I think my, my top three, cause I, I'm so all over the place, which is awesome. <laughs> I'm still single. Um, cause I can't, pay, I don't, I mean, like, I, I don't really have a type, but I do, um, my type is straight men, um, which just kind of, it doesn't really work out too well. Um, or just really emotionally unavailable people period. Um, but mine is like, number one always has been, always will be Andy Cohen. Oh my God. I love Andy. Like I, I it just like, I'm, I'm his soulmate. Like I just feel it in my spirit. I would be the best stepfather to Benjamin. Like mm -hmm. that is the, that is hands down. Number one is, is Andy number two. And I, people, you, 
don't don't judge me when I say this now because then I have to clarify it. Jason Derulo, but not like not like Jason Derulo from like middle school. I'm talking like Jason Derulo, like TikTok Jason Derulo. I was getting ready to say because I mean he makes TikTok see uh-huh. and that 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 hair. I'm, I am here uh-huh. for. Okay, so yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Him and then number three is Michael B. Jordan. Just like oh, that, period. that is a man. I mean, that is just that, that's all you can say. That is a man. So yeah. Ooh. But it's also like at this point, I'm like I I will marry a black man because I just I just have to. Yeah. Like they're just too. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I need a black man in my life because they also are gonna be the only ones that can deal with my ass. Um, like, <laughs> my husband has to deal with me. He's just like, I don't know what I got myself into. <laughs> I'm like, you're right. I held, I hid my crazy till we got married. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not too good about hiding the crazy. It's just kind of I just throw it out there at the beginning. I'm I like, can teach you. yeah, oh yeah, please do. Got you. I'm I like, can teach you. Yes, because I'm like first first date. I'm like so. Um, I need to know the following. Con- I need it, you're going to answer these questions, and if I don't like the answer, I'm going to get up and I'm going to leave. Um, number one, are you registered to vote? Number two, tell me who you voted for in the last election. Number three, do you believe that Black Lives Matter? Number four, what is your credit score? Wait, you hit them with the credit score on the first date? Oh, yes, of course yes. I do, because I need to know if you can afford my lifestyle. Oh, that's a good point. That's okay. 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 Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah. I, yeah. That, that, and then also I don't, I won't even entertain someone that's not out of the closet ever. It's I don't a, blame you. It's a deal breaker for me. I've been there, done that. I, I was way too many frat boy at Alabama's biggest secret. And I'm like, no, I'm kind of tired of that. Really? Oh girl. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was a, I was a thirsty little hoe back in the day. I would we don't all have go from, I would go from frat house to frat house to frat house. And then in ATO, there was three of them and I'd bounce around and nobody ever knew that I was bouncing around within the house. But then, then one morning I got caught leaving one of the fraternity houses by, mm. uh, yeah, it was like all over the school newspaper. It got like, public. no, like people were like, who was this guy? It, like it spread like wildfire my freshman year. And I was like, Oh my God. Was it very taboo no ever, though? To no one ever figured out that like, oh, it was Patrick Weaver, but like, it was like well known on campus. Like there's a, there's a little freshman boy that got caught leaving the ATO house and my friends put two and two together. And I was like, then he tried to throw me in the river when we were having a discussion like two o'clock in the morning about how I had ruined his life. And I was like, I didn't ruin your life. Like, sorry, this is your cross to bear, not mine. Correct. Um, I was like, and you're the one that told me to come to the house, period. I told you you could come to my dorm room. <laughs> so they knew who he was, though? No, I don't think they ever figured that out. Oh they just saw God. me leaving the next morning from, like, from, like, the floors where all the rooms were. Yeah. A game day, too. So, like, all the parents were there. Like, they carpet and I was like I don't know how to get out of this house I don't live here and I don't belong here so I was like can somebody help me I was like looking around and I was like does anyone know how I can get out of here like where's the closest exit because I'm about to throw up all over the place right now and it's like a game day morning and all these people were like the door right there then down the stairs and then to the left and I was like thanks and I'm like carrying my shoes and like my 
outfit from the night before in this hand. And like, it was just, it was bad. Oh, so this was a real walk of shame. This was a real walk of shame. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. It was rough, sister. But um, yeah, so that's after that, you know, after my college days, I don't do anybody this in the closet. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for, for your you. emotional issues. I've already been through that. I'm I'm so sorry that you're dealing with that, but like, that's not my problem. You, you fix that, go to some therapy, then call me in 10 years. Um, so <laughs> I'm like, and just not, it's, it's a, it's a deal breaker for me. It's the deal it Yeah. I'm like, it is, it is the deal breaker for me. It's one, one of the biggest ones. The other one is if you voted for Donald Trump, I'll never date you period. Yeah, no. It's yeah, no. I've also slept with way too many Republican men in my lifetime. So I'm like, <coughs> like, it's okay. It's okay. You know, we all had to start when I, we started from the bottom. Now we here. Um, <laughs> I'm like, amen. <laughs> I'm over here talking about my whole days and I just got baptized at church this morning. Help me, Jesus Lord. Um, last question, last, these weren't really rapid fire, but it's okay. Um, what is the best advice that you've ever gotten? Ooh, best advice that I've ever gotten. I think the best advice that I have ever gotten is, and it's so cliche, um, but remain true to who you are. Um, you know, it's very easy to not remain true to who you are. It's very easy for your friends and family to tell you, well, you have to assimilate to how things are, or you need to mold yourself to what people want you to be and what society deems you to be, not who you truly are. Um, and it was my dad. Um, you know, my dad was a bona fide hoe. <laughs> he was a man of the church, but he was a hoe. Okay. He was a Rolling Stone. Uh, but one thing he did teach me was to be true to who I was to wait for a man who would value me, even though he didn't value my mother or their marriage or the sanctity of marriage. He was very big about instilling in me to be sure that I was true to who I was, which is an alpha female, um, which is a black woman, which is an outspoken person, which, which is uh, on some days a sinner. I mean, God, I curse like a sailor. I'm trying to work on it though. Me too. Um, Me too. It's, it's rough. It's so rough. It, it oh is rough because sometimes the F word just, it's so, it's needed. It's my favorite. It, it is my favorite too. You can ask any of my friends. It's like, sometimes that is just the word that is needed in that moment. Like that mm. moment calls for that word. And I don't care. Like I'm trying to, I'm so instead of just like switching to freak, I'm trying to switch to like Fook. So like, fook, like F-O, okay. Yes. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on today? But Chelsea, I have to give Chelsea that one. Cause she's, she's, she's trying to help me with my cursing. Um, Cause Lord knows I could be up there leading. I, I could be giving my testimony. I'd be like, I was a straight up effing whore. And okay. I feel like I needed to be said. And then everybody just look at me and I'm like, listen, at least I'm owning it today. So, right. Uh, they yeah. had me fooked up. Okay. Uh -huh. mm. Devil got me fooked up. And then I'll yeah. be like, oh, this is the pulpit. Um, my bad. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought we were at the barbecue outside. <laughs> not, not, not in here today. I'm like, that's why I also will never get married in a church. Cause I ain't going up in there for the Lord to strike me dead today. Um, I'm like we will be outside <laughs> somewhere warm. <laughs> <laughs> but not too hot because I don't want to sweat. So, mm -hmm. mm -mm. Mm -mm. Yeah, I, that's also uh, 
the, that that's probably the, the best piece of advice that I've ever gotten was from my parents, which was to never apologize for being who you are. And, you know, so I have remained unapologetic all these years, even when they didn't like who I was and they have issues that they had to work through. I was very unapologetic and I was like, I am owning everything this. I'm Lisa Renna over here owning it. Um, I'm honestly, I just like words just cannot even describe that, but I could go off on a housewives tangent for the next like 20 years and talk about why Karen Huger is one of the best housewives to have ever lived. The grand dame, okay. Grand dame of Potomac. I'm like, people don't get it until, and I was a Potomac skeptic. I was a Potomac skeptic. I was, I was. It, It took me until, it took me until 2020 to actually watch. And I caught up on all the seasons during quarantine. And I was like, where have I been? Yes. I've been sleeping on this for, what? I've been sleeping on this for so long. And they are one of the best, I think. Yes. Well, you know, I was introduced to the Housewives because of New York. Really? Yes, it's the first step. It was the first or uh, New Jersey, and then I watched New York because I'm sorry, I love Teresa Judice, and I always will. That woman, it, that woman can pivot and make money anyhow. I mean, I, mm. she is me. I am her. I am her. <laughs> That's although I feel a little bit more like Melissa Gorga these days. You know, I'm over here, and you know, I I still pregame to on display. I still do. I, I still play that song when I'm in the shower. Melissa, Melissa yeah. was doing it too. Then she got Listen. her store. I said, what? Mm-hmm. And now, Melissa made it cool to date short men. Oh, okay, uh, Melissa. Yes, yes, yes. And I'm sorry, but I, uh, Joe Gorka is also very attractive. Yes, he is. That is an attractive man. And I just love what? that he is so confident in himself that he calls it Tarzan. <laughs> I'm like. He gets, <laughs> he gets zero cares. Zero. Zero. And then I'll never forget, he came out there or whatever and was talking about Tarzan or something because they had caught him and Melissa when they were like naked about to get in the shower or something. But of course, Mm -hmm. Andy had seen the unedited version of it. And he was like, you liked what you saw. And he was like, Andy literally goes, I can, I can back it up that there is a reason why he calls it Tarzan. And I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. Andy Cohen. I was like, Andy Cohen, sir. Sharing is caring, sir. Like, please send it out. Thank you. <laughs> post it. Um, you need, you got to post it. Just send it to one of these housewives uh, fan, fan accounts where I get all the information from. So, well, thank you so much for coming on and for being a part of this and for telling your story as a Black influencer and as a Black woman and as a Black mom. I admire the absolute hell out of you. I think you are just so wise beyond your years. You are doing so much good. Um, so please never stop. Please run for office. I'll handle all the graphic design and PR work for you on the, on the side. You know, you, all you gotta do is just, you know, just hand me some pumpkin blue moon. That's all, that's all that's needed for, for my I got you, payment. So, um, but thank you so much for, for coming on and being a part of this. This is so special just to get to sit down and talk to you about so many different things. And I am so happy to know you and to call you a friend and to cheer you on from the sidelines. You are changing the world. You've changed a lot of my world already. So keep doing what you're doing. Um, Before we go, I would love for you to plug any of your social handles, your website, any of that stuff where people can find you, learn more about you 
and see just how insanely pretty your entire family is and uh, just all about all the above. Oh, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me. This has been amazing. And thank you for being a part of the solution versus part of the problem. Um, as a black woman, as a creator, as a person, it means the absolute world. I also adore you. Let's just put that out there. I freaking adore you. Okay. Um, but <laughs> This is so much fun. I know. So we'll do it again next week? What? Yes. Housewives? (laughs) Housewives and wine? Yeah. Like, yes, yes. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm kind of just done with The Bachelor franchise at this point. They just disappoint me over and over and over again. I've never watched it. I refuse. (sighs) Just don't. It's it's a black hole. You get sucked in. It's a yeah, I'm like, we finally got, we finally have, you know, three black leads, you know, it took, you know, 39 seasons. When are they going to call me? <laughs> Come on. When is right? I'm like, what's up? I'm like Chris Harrison. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm ready. I'm skinny. I'm skinny now. America mm-hmm. would love me. America would love me. Men that show up, I'm probably, mm-hmm. it ain't going to probably work out. <laughs> just call me I'm open to the idea I'm open to the idea so um but go ahead and plug your 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 social handles let me shut let me shut my mouth be quiet (laughs) social handles so if you want very um pg with activism you are gonna find me on instagram at tiffanyturnermoon.com my blog is wow my blog is tiffanyturnermoon.com wow (laughs) My, my Instagram is Tiffany Turner Moon. Um, but I do a lot of behind the scenes stuff um, and more of the raw me, the part of me that curses, you know, 24 seven. That's over on TikTok, which is tiffturnermoon.com. Wow, Tiff Turner Moon. It's okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I mess it up all the time. So, I mean, yeah. It, I mean, one time I told somebody that my handle was Patrick Beaver, not Weaver. And I was like, I love you. It, yeah, I was like Patrick Beaver, like wog, like instead of Patrick Weaver blog, like I switched the W and the B up and they were like, what? I was like, hold on, rewind. Let me try that again. So it's okay. Words are hard. Words they are, are. Really hard. So, well, honey, you are welcome on the podcast. Anytime you want to come on, you just let me know. And, um, I thank you again for this. Um, and thank you all for listening. Make sure you go and check out uh, everything about Tiffany. I, I mean, you're going to be obsessed with her as I am. Um, and then make sure if you have it to go and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast, follow us on Spotify, leave us a five-star rating and a review. Make sure to follow Behind the Filter on Instagram at Behind the Filter Pod. And you can obviously follow me, Patrick, and Patrick with the blog. Uh, on Instagram as well. So thanks for going behind the filter with us again for another week. We'll be back next week to take another look behind the filter.
Hattie McDaniel was an American actress, singer-songwriter, and comedian. In 1939, she won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for her role as Mammy in Gone with the Wind. Though it is worth noting that while she won this Academy Award, she was not allowed on stage because the theater in which the Oscars were held was white only. And in 2006, she became the first Black Oscar winner honored with her own U.S. postage stamp.